<laughs> Get mixed up. I'm sure now. <laughs> Welcome to the E6 Podcast from Colonial Church, a place for candid conversations about what our church community is learning, what is going on in the world, and what's, how it all applies to our lives as followers of Jesus. My name's Brooke. This is episode 78. Y'all are looking at me like I said it funny. So what if I said it funny? I think I you say slurred it your speech time. a little bit. Did you have your morning coffee today on a Monday? Yeah. Brooke doesn't drink coffee. Drink you coffee. know that. I just teed it up for you to lie to us. I did, you know, and I jumped right into that. How do yeah. you wake up? How do you sure. wake up in the morning, Brooke? Because you're you're the only one of the three eyes. of us that doesn't uh, drink a espresso beverage at the or something. world. You wake up Sad offended. I wake up offended. I have to choose <laughs> to be unoffended. Maybe we'll get into that later. <laughs> We, we, we should, know. Have, you know, maybe we should just what we had planned for this podcast. <laughs> let's put that on hold. Let's unpack let's that a little just bit. Brooke. Unpack your choose to be unfin- your morning issues. So Kara K is probably just oh he's a fun one to live with. He just <laughs> he just wakes up offended what a fun guy. at the world. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I um I just I wake up and uh, like I don't I don't snooze my alarm all that much. I, I don't understand people like you. It's like I set an alarm, like because that's when I needed to get up. So you and I also I also set my alarm for like as late as possible, which also we could probably talk to my wife about. <laughs> it yeah. Probably drives her insane. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like if it's gonna take me twenty minutes to get ready for whatever it is I'm gonna go to, I'm gonna set my alarm for as late as possible so that I can sleep as long as possible. So that when my alarm goes off, I already know. Ah, man, it's time I gotta get up. It's not like a. I'm, I'm not gonna sit here and argue do with I myself have, for a little while. Do I, do can, I have... I, can I snooze this three times? Uh-huh. Because then it's like I slept the whole time, Are rather you... than I I snoozed and it woke me up, and then I went back to sleep, and then I snoozed and it woke me up, and you know what I'm saying? It's like I'd rather just I sleep just, the whole time. Well, I, you, in, in that statement, you you assume a level of cognitive thought, <laughs> and I do not have that when I'm waking up. That okay. is exactly and argue, what I was going to say. Arguably, arguably, I don't have that throughout the day anyway depends on who you ask <laughs> but especially if i'm trying to wake up i cannot rationalize with myself i mm. can't do it i wonder can't. how many people can identify that because i am totally with you tanner a i'm a snoozer it drives me crazy i will snooze three four five times yeah and then every single time to your point of not being able to really think in those moments i'll be showering you know 20 minutes later and literally looking at my watch going what what was I thinking? Yes. I don't have time. I don't, I don't have, have time. time for this. Yes. You know? And so like I go back to my college experience. I had to have early morning classes almost all the time because I had to work my way through college. I had jobs in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And so I had tons of more 8 a.m. classes, you know, which my roommates never seemed to sign up for. And <laughs> it's all why. dark and I quiet. did. Okay. So I did that the first <laughs> semester of college. I had early morning classes. Never again for the rest of my time. I'm with you. No, because I had to work my way through college too. Like I, well, I you had, waited tables at night. I though. waited tables at night. So I worked all, all, all evening and yeah. all, all weekend and that kind of thing. But I did not have classes like second semester. I don't think I had a class that was prior to 10 a.m. <laughs> then, then like as we got la- it, everything just got later and later. It was like I had 11 o'clock classes and mm-hmm. 2.30 classes and 3.45. Oh, I had a lab at 5.45. There was none of this early well, morning stuff because I because back then I didn't care if I had an alarm going off. I just turned it off. I was like, I'm, I'm not going. It's I'm amazing going what we do at a less <laughs> mature stage, right? <laughs> well, you went to Oklahoma State where I assume they parented less. At Baylor, <laughs> I mean that in a positive way. At Baylor, 
at times at college, I don't I don't know if it's still this way, but I felt like they were always trying to parent us. I mean, it's a private Christian school with with more rules and and there was kind of a constant like, what? We're not allowed to do that, you know, just this vibe. Yeah. So like we had attendance. All my friends that went to A and M or UT or whatever, they didn't have attendance. We had attendance taken in our classes, and if you missed more than I think it was twenty five percent of your class, it didn't matter if you had a A average, you got an automatic F. Right. And so I had those early morning classes, and back when I just was less mature and coupled with could not cognitively operate efficiently, yeah. you know, <laughs> I would I would wake up for my eight a.m. class and literally go, Meh, I don't think I'm going to go, and turn my clock off. Like you just said. Yeah. But then later, you know, I've missed 11 of the first 27 <laughs> classes. And I'm like, what, what am I thinking? Like, yeah. I have to go every day now for yeah. <laughs> without missing any. You know, right. it's just it's amazing how I can't. I'm 52. I still cannot think in the mornings. That is not hopeful for me. I it doesn't change. I don't think. <laughs> I can't. I, just, I, I hear you can choose to make a change in your life if you want to. Yeah, that choice was I married oh. my wife and she kicks me and <laughs> get yeah. up, get up. Yeah, it's a it's a source of uh, conflict. Probably in lots of marriages. My wife is a morning person. She gets up super early, enjoys her quiet. Now, now let let it be stated: I am not a morning person. Like I I will <laughs> I am up late. I will do my best work late in the evening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I will do anything that I can. I believe that from my point of view, the world should not function prior to 10 a.m. Like I don't like I don't care if stores are open. I don't care if coffee is available. I don't care. Like there should never be a, a work meeting prior to 10 a.m. <laughs> like nothing. So so don't get me wrong. My brain just says, well, I guess I have to get up now. Yeah. The mine, mine mine just goes oh. No, you don't. It's okay. You got you got you got a little bit of time. It's like there's this little uh immature can't think straight meddler sitting on my shoulder going, you, you don't you don't need to get up now. Yeah. Just roll over. Just roll it's feel, fine. Feel that soft pillow. That's right. That's right. <laughs> just hear that quiet. Just just roll over. It's okay. What's, it's the, right. what's the angel on the other side? No, doing? there's no angel. There is nobody else. That's the problem. There's, still asleep. there's nobody else on the other shoulder. No, I, I yes. I'll roll over and look at it and go, I got nine more minutes. You know, I'll hit snooze. So mine's set on like nine minutes snooze. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I got nine more minutes. I can. That just makes me that just makes me mad. Like when it's like, ah, but now it's going off again. I don't like it. I know that that's <laughs> not OK and that I'm losing sleep doing that. But I <laughs> can't change it. Uh, that's a lot of conversation about waking up in the morning. So I was going to ask you guys if you're like interested in like baseball playoffs or college football but we don't have time for that anymore so oh man go astros um who's overtake overtaking the yankees (laughs) you just you just teed it up man you kind of did yeah yeah go ahead go ahead have you seen i was going to ask this question because it was baseball have you seen the the uh, the captain documentary i have not seen that yet i want to on on, i think it's who Derek jeter yeah it's on uh, i thought it was espn it's espn but like it's who it's uh i think i don't know we're connected with i'm not a big jeter fan though even though he's an icon, I know, but I am, I am, I do not like the Yankees, but maybe, maybe that's it. I, I love me some Jeter, man. He he just, he just did it right. Like he didn't get messed up in all the in all the, you know, the fame Jeez. and all that stuff, and and so 
you know, and maybe that was, I think I was watching the documentary, and so maybe he's like, he gave credit to a lot of the older players that he kind of came up under, and they they really messed up a lot of things. And so by the time he started playing with them, they were saying, you got to be real careful who you fall in line with here in New York and all these different things. And so he kind of gave a lot of credit to them learning from mistakes mm. and, and kind of counseling him. But then just like, he just, uh, you. I mean, he he played only for the Yankees. Yeah. That's it for a long He's time. Twenty won, years. Won a bunch of championships. Yes, for twenty years, only that organization. Yeah, you, that just doesn't happen. True. I just is yeah. He, think you, he's great. You, so you've been watching. Is he like a? a does he have a huge uh, amount of humility? Yes. I can't tell. Well, I mean, it, with with the <laughs> he, documentary, I would I, would, I, I wouldn't tell. know if he's like super <laughs> cocky. He's just quiet. <laughs> like that's what I've read is that he just learned to be present with the media every day and, and not never say it. anything. Yes. So he did. That's what he was doing. <laughs> so I don't but know if that's humility most of it, or most of it, genius. Well, my perspective was there is there's some humility in there, but it's also like he he knew like I'm going I'm going to work every day. You know, I'm 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 here to win and I'm not gonna be distracted by mm trying to give you a headline or any of that stuff. I'm, I'm here to play baseball. And uh, the documentary paints a really cool picture of him. I mean... It's like a four or five part series. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's like, yeah, like six, maybe six episodes of it. But it's just, it's really good. So if you like baseball, um, and if you like even Jeter, like, it's a really, really good documentary. Very well done. And uh, was super cool. Talks about like his relationship with A Rod and all that stuff. I got sucked in immediately. I mean, I I devoured that thing in like a day. <laughs> it was good. It was good. I like waiting until those kind of things are over. The the stuff that comes out weekly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess Netflix just changed that for all of us a few years ago. Yep. I just like I'd like to watch all that in a weekend or yep. something. Yeah, I would like not. to watch every bit of that right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I loved that when they made the change. When you know, when all those streaming services made the change to here's the whole season. It's like <clears throat> yeah. sweet. Yeah. yeah, and then they've all gone back to here's one. They, it seems like there's another mm-hmm. one. I'm like, mm-hmm. ugh, come on! I want it all, and I want it all now. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so um, just because you guys told me I had to. Uh, how about some news of the what? News of the what? Of the what? Okay. Did you just, I don't did know you if just you, sing a little jingle? He, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll develop. Um, seed planted. I don't, I don't know if that's a good idea. Then then we'll have to do it all the time. Yeah. Um, in New Jersey, this past this past week, there was um, there was a library that had a book returned um, by a, uh, an 89-year-old man named Bob Jablonski. He returned a book called Hitler. It's like, okay, well. But uh, turns out he checked it out when he was in high school in 1947. And it was in perfect condition and still had the reference card. And he just found it and was like, oh, I should go turn this in. And so he turned in a book that was 75 years overdue. Wow. That's a long time. What was that fine? Uh, Turns out... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the uh, the library uh, m- apparently made a poor d- judgment, and last year they decided to get rid of all the fees. And so now they don't have fees anymore, and 89-year-old Bob said, 
I think I should turn his book in there. <laughs> <laughs> so there was there was no fine. No fine. So he gets off scot free for a book funny. that he probably has not touched in uh, <laughs> seventy five years. I just thought that was uh, seventy five wow. years. I mean, how many? Because people, my, my, honestly, though, how many people would do that? Like, I'm gonna go turn this in now. Well, nobody would if it was if it was with a fee. Like, if there's like, uh, I mean, because imagine the fee on that. Like, oh yeah. It's not going to be like, is it capped at $30? So you just go buy another one? Like, right. Or are they going to, it's, it's like, is there interest involved? Like, because <laughs> like, that's where my mind went. It was like, good Lord, $75. I wonder what the, I wonder what the fee is for a 75 year old overdue book. And well, and, and like, he lucked out. How many like places did this guy live? That's where my mind goes to. And he kept up with the book. Right. I mean, <laughs> It's got to be some small town it's, public it's, library. It's, it's got to be never it's moved. Be same close, spot yeah. forever. Yeah. By the way, I also tried to I tried to look up um, a an update to our uh, our our guy from Canada that was trying to trade the cheese stick. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the string cheese. I'm so glad you did. What'd I, you find out, bro? Nothing. He. Oh, I, don't, I don't know anything. <laughs> Actually, I did find out that he. We we talked about it. He was offered two uh, like Persian cats. Yeah. As a as a trade. Um, which he thought that was the best one. Apparently, somebody also offered their girlfriend, and uh, um, <laughs> he'd rather have the cats, yep, I yep. guess. And he was, and he still thought the cats was the best option. <laughs> uh, he said, he said he was getting a ton of um, a ton of people, and and he was just like, yeah, no, nah, I feel like it's just something that's like when I when I I'll, I'll know it when I see it. I'll and know so it when he's I see just it. he's holding out hope, and apparently people were offering things, and they wanted to get it so much. I guess just to be the person that got the string cheese. Wow! That they were like calling back with better offers, trying to one up whatever they <laughs> whatever they did before. But I couldn't find anything that said that he had actually. Well, traded he does. It. He does know what he has. So <laughs> no low balls. I know what I have. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best line. <laughs> That's the best line. <laughs> All right, real quick. So there was a um, there was a bear, a young bear. It was a brown bear in Turkey, and uh, this this bear was found um, wandering and uh, disoriented. And so as they tried to figure out what was going on, turns out the bear is intoxicated um, <laughs> because. Uh, uh, not because he found the like the Bud Light spill. Like, I don't know if you saw that. There was like a truck that oh, spilled yeah, yeah. Bud Light oh, like, no. all over the highway. It wasn't that. That was that was here. Uh, but in Turkey, apparently, there is a, uh, a a honey called that they call Mad Honey, and uh, it's it's a hallucinogenic honey um, because it has a neurotoxin in it that basically makes you makes you lose it. And uh, so apparently, this bear had eaten. A whole lot of the hallucinogenic mad honey. Just trying to picture uh, high as a kite, Winnie the Pooh. I know it's like for real. Like he's like, where can I get more of this? Oh yeah, I need to Piglet, this stock is good up stuff. on this. Yeah. <laughs> Does he become a dealer at that point? Like I don't, I don't know. Apparently he is in good health and he's going to be just fine. And they're trying to release him. And they were like trying to get people online to name him. I'm like you just <laughs> like give, give the like, bear a name. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Drunk Winnie the Pooh sounds yeah. pretty good to me. You know? yeah. I don't know. So yeah, there's your there's your news, news of the, what? Of the Somebody's what? gonna put that in a mason jar and sell that. 
<laughs> that bad, mad honey. Mad honey. You ship that across the mm-hmm, ocean. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, he can't be the first bear. I mean, if bears like honey, like the stereotype, I mean, that I don't know if that's true, but if they like honey. <laughs> I don't know if that, actually, that's a good point. I don't I mean, know if that's true or not. If bears are storing up pots of honey in their, right. in, you know, when, in when their they tree, hibernate. tree houses. <laughs> yeah. Then, I mean. There must be a lot of high oh kite bears out there. Um, <laughs> what we learned today? Nothing so far. Uh, okay. All right. All right. All right. So we have a we have a message, new series, new message series to get to. Um, before we do that, let's let's talk about this. Uh, let's talk about this book a little bit here. Unoffendable um, by Brant Hansen. Uh, you threw this at us and said, "Here, read this." And so now we're you know Tanner and I are slogging our way through this incredibly. Even difficult. though you already listened to it. <laughs> read to you by the author, correct? Yeah. You listened to it on it audio. Was, it was. What was it called? Audible. Uh, do, you, do you use Audible? I no. This one was on. Uh, he he uses multiple sources. Do, yeah. He really does because do. he's not trying to. He's not trying to buy books if he can help it. Oh, so if you I mean, get if it through the public if library, free, if like, yeah. yeah, I got you. Yeah. I got yeah. you. Or if I can get it through a subscription, that I can also get a whole mm-hmm. bunch of other things, mm-hmm. and then yeah, I'm gonna do that. But we've way, but. we've talked and laughed about this before. You you prefer to listen to it read to you, like a bedtime story. I want yeah like um, a bit like I, I literally you, curl up in bed and actually that's funny because or you mow like, or whatever I do it I do what I mow and then when but I but you also and, listen to it depending on the author at at you know speed of light basically right? basically yeah <laughs> it was funny I, I was talking to somebody I was talking to Terry Johnson this past week and he was like he 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 was like hey do you know there's two of those like it's it's not just the one unoffendable book and there was another one. And, um, by a different author, I see. Yeah, by it's, a different it's, author. It's by a different author. Yeah, it's not the same book at okay. all. But. but he said he said the same thing. He was like, "Oh, I think I found." He found it on I think on Audible and was listening to an Audible. And he was like, "Yeah, I turned it up to like one point three and was listening to it." And I was like, "Oh, dude. oh yeah, one point three, Terry." I'm pretty confident mine's at like one point eight or something along those lines. I can't. Lines I can't do past one point five. I can't do it. <clears throat> I guess I'm just too dumb for that. I, I can't do it. I, if I I'm listening to it, it I got to slow what, it down. It depends on what you're going to do with it. Like, like some of it, I'm like, I'm going for the idea, and and I'm I'm just listening to your argument, that kind of thing. But if I'm going to like sit down and uh, you know, we want to discuss a yeah, chapter, sure, 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 then sure, I'll yeah. slow it down and I'll read. You know, then I would rather listen to them read it while I'm reading along with yeah, it. Yeah, I, I do because that. that. Helps me focus more. I've done I've done that several times where, especially like with uh, um, uh, like the cost of discipleship, which is oh, bon- you got to go slow. Yes, Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer. It's like I I I will put. I will put the audio audiobook on and have the book in front of me, and I will go through as he's reading it for mm, me. That's and, good. Well, on top of that, that's a good example of that's written in German, you know. Yes. And so oh, yeah. when so they when they have to stuff, translate yeah. it, and it's heady. Yes. It's like a double whammy. Oh yeah. You know, and well, on top of that is written what sixty eighty years mm-hmm, ago. Mm-hmm. That's a triple whammy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you read old C.S. Lewis or A.W. Tozer. We've been talking about those guys lately. Yeah. You just kind of go slow. They yeah. use some words that we don't use anymore. Right. Um, well, in this, like this book, um, this Unoffendable, um, I read the first chapter so that I would have something to talk about today with you. <laughs> uh, besides, just I did, I did, I sat in service and watched the message and 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 took a few notes and uh, you know was not texting other people. I was just taking notes. That's big of you. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, but he does protest too much, bro. <laughs> he does protest. Um, <laughs> But like this one, uh, this one's really. I think it's. An, I don't say easy read, but um, the way it's written, I it's the first statement. The way yeah, it's written so. is good. Accessible. Like it's not. You yeah. Can say positive. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Accessible. It's not heady. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's got some really good, really good points, really good thoughts in it. But 
um, the way it's written, it's um, it's easy to kind of comprehend what he's saying and get through, and so it's pretty good. So well, and then he, you know, as a was he a radio host? Um, yeah, he sprinkles in a lot of his humor throughout, which kept me engaged with it because if you know, there's some things that I'm like, yeah, that's great. Oh, Lauren said you should read this book. I'm like, well, if it doesn't really, you know, hit one of my interest points, I'm like, okay, I blazed through that, or, or I even like was like, yeah, I don't, I don't care. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it is like, but it was, he's funny. Your honesty, he's, Brooke. That's right. he's funny, and even like, uh, I don't just fully accept. I was your going answer. through, I was going through some of the like chapter titles and things like that. Like, he's got great chapter. He's got titles, some great chapter way. titles. If nothing um, else, you got to check out the the chapter titles. Bert and, and Ernie and Satan. Yeah, is one of them. <laughs> right. Uh, idea. Let's punch Brant in the face. That is that's chapter ten. I still like number two. Everyone's an idiot but me. That's right. Yeah, I mean, that grabs my attention right honest. away. <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, I like it. It's, um, uh, the, yeah, chapter 14. This is the chapter about how we're just barely smart enough to be stupid. Like, I feel that really deeply. Uh, <laughs> just barely smart enough. So, like, I, I was kind of reading through some of those, and even those things, like, um, that kind of got me interested in the book, you know? Um, I want to see what he has to say there, you know? Why would he title it these way, yeah. this way? I, I do like a good chapter title, sermon title, teaching title I, i'm not <clears throat> i'm not that good at it but like i remember when i picked up this book and i was curious about it the last chapter is is titled and lo the kingdom of god is like a terrible football team <laughs> and i read that chapter before i read anything else i'm like i don't usually go to the end of a book right. you know because i don't want to this is not a story obviously to spoil but i i was like okay i want to know what his imagery mm-hmm. is in his head like you right. think the kingdom of god's like a terrible what does that mean yeah and i actually really enjoyed it um i think it's good i, I think it's worth i think it's worth any of our people's time uh grabbing this book amazon's got it discounted right now for mm-hmm. like 9 bucks for yeah, a paperback like 10 bucks, copy yeah. so on that note too uh Brooke, you mentioned you know the audio version is there a link to uh, uh one or more options for an audio version we could put in the show notes uh if to, not don't worry about it, it i mean there's there's definitely ways you can do it i actually found it on multiple um there, there's multiple ways you can do it like there's there's a hoopla app that lets you use the the, the local library i feel like i found oh, yeah, it there yeah um, but that doesn't cost anything so that Ooh, could be any might uh, even be a free option that may then. be a free option right. um if you have library cards you may be able to, to sign up and do that um, you have to jump through some hoops and maybe call yeah. the library, which that may be the worst thing for, for somebody is they had to make a phone call. But um, <laughs> you sure there's not a text option? Yeah, some people it, would yeah. pay some people would pay ten dollars not. I know. Right. I'll right. buy the book. I would just buy it off Amazon. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So we're gonna so we're just gonna talk about like the first chapter today, um, and and then and then take take some chunks over the next uh, four more weeks as I we like as we do this. Um, you know, they, they may not be perfect chunks because it's not evenly distributed for five, yeah, well, uh, five and chapters, like, but what stands each. out to you may not stand out to me or, or vice yeah. versa or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. So, so, uh, so just looking at this, um, from chapter one, um, it, you know, it's, it's kind of the, there, there's no like introduction to the book. Um, it's, so it's basically like, this is the intro to the yeah, book, right? Go. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's being unoffendable, the ridiculous idea. So, um, you know, in, in just a, a, a couple of minutes here, as we talk about this, what is it that stands out for, for chapter one for you? 
Um, so we don't spoil everything, but that, you know, give people time to be able to go get the book and, and listen. And then next week we can dive into it a little bit deeper for, um, you know, a little bit deeper into the book. Yeah. I, I, I want to jump in before Lauren does. I know Lauren, you, you've read, you read the book, you've highlighted all over the place. You, this is, um, a resource you're using as you're teaching through our, our new sermon series, all that stuff. So just kind of before you jump in and just, uh, give us all of your wisdom and your knowledge on it, let me give a a uh, unbiased perspective i don't know if that's a good way of saying it or not maybe maybe a clueless perspective hey we'll Tanner, what do you think i thank you there's a couple there's <laughs> i don't know how to pick it up from there <laughs> there's a couple of um couple of things when i read it when i read a chapter uh i normally will highlight a couple of things or if there's like a chunk of something i'll put some uh brackets around it and and kind of go back um there's a few things that in just this first chapter that kind of resonate with me, especially in light of yesterday's message and some things like that. <clears throat> he does talk about uh, this being the dumbest thing. This He said, this may sound like the dumbest thing you've ever read, but here it goes. You can choose to be unoffendable. Uh, it talks about how he was in a business meeting and, and all those different things, and he said it. He's, he kind of expands on uh, this idea that he was offended by the by the statement. You can choose to be unoffended, you know, and working through some of that stuff. But on page page three of of this, um, I kind of underlined. Uh, I used to think it was incumbent upon a Christian to take offense. I now think we should be most refreshingly unoffendable people on a planet that seems to spin on an access of offense. Forfeiting our right to anger makes us deny ourselves and makes us others-centered. When we start living in this way, it changes everything. And actually, it's not even forfeiting a right, because the right doesn't exist. We're told to forgive, and that means anger has to go, whether we've decided our own anger is righteous or not. That was like... I, I I love how that I can picture if if I was capable of doing this, forfeiting my you know this anger that I call righteous, uh, I would be I I believe I would be a much better version of myself, and I can maybe paint a picture in my mind of if the world at large operated this way, where. We the default was we don't really have a right to be angry or to carry anger toward other people in a specific instance, even if something was um, wrong or we were wronged or anything like that. If if our if our default response was love and grace and humility and not anger as a response to certain things, I it'd be a, I think it would be an easier world to exist in. Mm. Um, that really resonated with me. Maybe another thing that I would offer before I turn it over uh, is uh, on page six. <clears throat> um, he ta- He's talking about how anger tends to just kind of happen to us because it's an emotion. Um and he says, uh, kind of halfway down the page, but an, but an emotion is just an emotion. It's not critical thinking. And I kind of bolded, anger doesn't pause. 
ang- our anger doesn't pause. We have to stop and we have to question it because anger is an emotion. It's not critical thinking. And the very last part of page six says grace isn't for the deserving. Forgiven means surrendering your claim to resentment and letting go of anger. And if you think about, as, well, if as I think about um, my anger, I, I if you talk to my wife, um, there's a few people in my close circle that know um, anger is a huge I- issue for me. I, I struggle with anger, um, bitterness, um, resentment, all that. And uh, if I can put it in the context of grace being the opposite of the anger that stirs up inside of me um, and, and recognize that just because I feel a certain way does not give me, didn't give me the right to respond with anger or resentment or like as, as if I'm owed something or deserve something. Um, just that line, grace isn't for the deserving. I think about my relationship with Jesus. I think about the things that I do that <laughs> would erase my right to have grace, you know. Um, and that just kind of shoots me right between the eyes, you know. Just this, this, this topic I knew when we started talking on it yesterday and jumping into this first chapter I kind of told Shelby I need to buckle up because I think this is this is a series for me mm. and uh so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna stay pretty pretty locked in with all this and and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to me through this and because I do feel like there's something in me specifically that he wants to change mm. with this and uh I'm curious how many people are right there with you. I, it, it's a weird thing to teach publicly, specifically um, in the sense that I don't know what most people are thinking as they, for example, leave a church auditorium and go to lunch, go to their homes. I don't hear back from the overwhelming majority of them positively or negatively, you know? Um, but I did hear from, I want to say six or seven, which is more than usual yesterday in different brief conversations right after the services to say, Oh my goodness, God's, God's got me locked in. God, this is what God's already been telling me. And this is just affirmation. Oh my goodness. This is something I got to wrestle with. I had one guy come up and um, won't name him that that uh, I don't know that well, but we've talked before, and he couldn't put words to it. Mm. He was just smiling. He was very emotional. Gave me a hug, and said, "I need to listen." You know, wow. um, I joked with you guys before we started recording. Older gentleman in our church, also won't name. I, I love him. He's a fun guy. He said, he said it's a couple positive things. So I know in context, this he meant this positively, but he said. Yeah, somewhere in the middle, you stopped preaching and you started meddling. <laughs> and uh, I took that to mean he's he's locked in. Yeah, he's you know. Um, yeah, I I will I will just simply affirm 
I think that's one of the biggest messages I'm hearing about this subject matter from from the author and from the scripture is this call to be unoffended, which really Hanson in his book means not angry. Yeah, he's 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 blatantly tying offense to anger. Yeah, um, upset. You know, um, it's very challenging. I think in part because it's it's a call to be selfless. You know, it's, uh, I even, if I can take this risk, you know, we talk a lot about our rights as Americans. It's just so central, the Bill of Rights, our rights, my rights, um, the rights of other people, people Mm -hmm. groups, um, the voiceless, the marginalized, you know, even in the abortion context, it's about rights, whether it's women's rights or it's the rights of the unborn or it's, it's rights, rights, rights. And to oversimplify it for me, when we're talking about other people's rights, it just seems so Jesus-like, you know? Yeah. Because we're caring for them. We're caring about them. We're even, talk, we're even talking about sacrificing for them. But the moment I start talking about my rights, it just doesn't sound very much like Jesus. Mm. And I, I know that's a blanket statement, and there's a lot more to unpack sure, there. Sure, sure, yeah. But the moment I start talking about my rights... It, it's where's that line between what I'm entitled to, mm. what is best for me. And I think the author does a good job. I mean, he says we should for, he says bottom page two, we should forfeit our right to be offended. That means forfeiting our right to hold on to anger. It makes a sacrifice very pleasing to God. We're offering this up as a sacrifice. It strikes at our very pride. He writes, it forces us not only to think about humility, but to actually be humble. Um, it makes us later on in the paragraph. It makes us. You read this. It makes us deny ourselves. It makes us other others centered. Right. So there's something very Christ-like about that that's appealing to me. Yeah. Um, and then then he almost anecdotally at the end of that says, and actually it's not even forfeiting a right because the right to anger doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. I think that's that's what's got me locked in is it's a call to selflessness. It's right. a call to other centeredness. Um it's hard to be offended. It's hard to be angry if I'm dying to self. Right. It it, it um so some of the reviews on the book and there, there's there's lots of reviews that are saying this is an amazing book and and thought-provoking and convicting in good ways there's a there's also a bunch of reviews that are saying oh i don't know theologically if i agree and all that mm-hmm. stuff and um and it for me personally it remains to be seen uh because i'm only chapter one you know where this book goes and all those things about like you know seeing these things happening in the life of jesus and going back to scripture and and checking some of those things and whatever but to me, the opening chapter for this, um, I think if I'm getting the heart of the author correct, to me, it's lowering the temperature of spiritual formation for me. Like, hmm. it's, it's lowering the temperature of what it means to increase in my spiritual maturity. Yes, to be convicted of things that are true and right and accurate, but also to 
walk through those things or challenges with people in a way that is much more invitational than it is challenge. Um, I think I, I, I don't, I've, I've heard this talked about several times. We've talked about it here at colonial a couple of times. Um, we're so, we're so postured to as Christians, I think to try to be known by what we are against. Like we want to be known for what we're against we're against that. We, we disagree with that. That's not okay. That's, and that tends to, that tends to overcome a lot of things that we are for overshadow overshadow. Yeah. Yeah. It tends to be the louder voice we are. And, and I think that what, what this is calling me to on a personal level is if, if, if the challenges or the things that I think are, um, downright wrong, incorrect, all those things. If, if the primary voice in that is anger or what, what he's calling being offended, mm-hmm. taking offense to, if that's the primary voice, it may not look like Jesus. It may not look, mm. it may not look like it should. And so for me, kind of, like I said, um, whether or not, a lot of the things in here are theologically sound. Like, I don't know that I would argue for that right now, like I said, with being in chapter one. But what I clearly hear here is uh, we need to take the temperature down. <laughs> um, we have a world that is leading in that way, and we're supposed to be a little bit different than that. Mm. And so we've got to lead with invitation, not challenge. You know what? This is let's let's go to the scripture because I think this is part of what I even hear from chapter one of the book. The call of Jesus is to see the world lit differently, to live day to day differently, to value different things. I mean, it's it is a radical, countercultural call. Right. We know that intuitively, but all of us in our humanity, we just drift into. Our, our sin, we we get absorbed, we immerse ourselves, you know, in other ways of thinking. But Ephesians four, um, the last half of that chapter is right to a couple things I, I want to add to your point just now. He says, verse verse seventeen, Ephesians four seventeen, with the Lord's authority, I say this: live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Um, and then he goes on to say in verse 20, this isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from, from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. And so the context for even what we're about to read about anger and what the author quotes about anger, and even what some of the people who don't like this book grab a hold of about anger, it's in the context of Paul saying, don't live like everybody else. Hmm. Don't, don't live like the world. You are, you are supposed to see and feel and act differently. So in that context, in verse 26, uh, yeah, verse 26, Paul says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. Anger gives a foothold to the devil. He's saying in part here, I think we're going to talk about this even on Sundays. He's not saying anger is in and of itself a sin. But he's saying, don't sin by letting anger control you. So Paul's even going, hey, you're going to get ticked off. 
<laughs> you're going to get cut off in traffic. You're yeah. going to get, you know, have a dysfunctional family moment. You're going to, you're going to have moments of anger. Don't let it control you because that is sin. And I like how in the first chapter of, of Hanson's book, he even says, Man, I, I think there's some Christian literature that's going to disagree with this crazy idea of don't be angry, don't be angry, don't be angry. Because people point to, well, Jesus got angry. He, he flipped over tables and whipped, you know, get, get out of my temple. You're, right, right. You're, you're desecrating this place with trying to make a buck and take advantage of the poor. And, um, and God gets angry in moments of scripture. And two thoughts that I just, this is jumps out of chapter one to me. First of all, we're missing the context here when Paul says, Hey, don't, you're going to get angry. Don't let anger control you. At the end of the same chapter, he says, get rid of, this is verse 31, Ephesians 4, 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. And then he, he, he keeps going and then he turns around, be kind to each other. And so he's not saying, Hey, you're going to get angry. It's okay. Just don't let it control you. It's in the context of get rid of it. You're going to get angry. Don't let it control you. Get rid of it. Mm-hmm. So when even a couple of the comments about the book push back, go, yeah, but Jesus got angry. And I, I bet, I bet even some people listening yesterday at church or wrestling with this in the coming weeks are going are gonna to understandably even go, yeah, but God got angry. Jesus gets angry. Well, two thoughts. One, Paul says, get rid of it. Do not be anger, angry. Mm-hmm. And secondly, I love how page five of this first chapter, he starts that. He says, another fair question, one you're likely asking, isn't God allowed to hold on to his anger? Doesn't Jesus get angry? And he, I love the author's humor. He's like, my well-read, thoughtful, theologically nuanced response to this is, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> but he explains, he says, God is allowed anger. Just like God is allowed vengeance because he is holy. He is perfect. He, I'm not reading what he's saying. I'm paraphrasing. He can handle it. He's got the character to handle anger. He's got the character, the holiness to handle vengeance, but we're not supposed to be vengeful. God says, let me take care of that. We're not supposed to judge. He says, let me take care of that. Mm. Paul says, you're not supposed to be angry. God can handle that. So I think it's me theologically I think that's a, a good framework to grab a hold of is, okay, I want to be like Jesus. <laughs> right. That's the call of discipleship. But what I hear scripture saying is you can't be angry though. You can't handle it. Yeah. I have the character. I am blameless. I am holy. You have sin, your woundedness, your, your faulty, your bad habits, it's all going to be wrapped up in those moments of anger. I don't want you operating in a place where it's not pausing. You're just acting. Yeah. You can't be angry. You've got to let that go. You've got to let me handle what I'm angry at. You've got to let me handle what I want to judge. Hmm. Um, which is one. Wow. To me, like I've really got to wrestle with that. And two, I think that's part of the pushback that Hanson gets from his book that we're probably going to experience, uh, I even hope a little bit in conversation with people in the coming weeks, maybe we'll even get, I hope some submissions to the podcast podcast at colonialchurch.com. Disagree, grab your Bible, um, put some thought into this and, and give us some pushback or some questions. Uh, that's been really thought provoking for me, uh, to, to say it redundantly and simply, 
I hear God saying, don't be angry, Lauren. Yes, I have moments of anger. I can handle it. Lauren, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> That's partly what I hear right. in Scripture right. and, and in this. You, 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 okay, you said something um, kind of at the start of that, which, and I'm, I'm going to ask a question and feel free to just say, ah, well, let's not get into that right now. Okay. Um, because it's just where my, it's just where my mind, my mind went. Um, you said we're supposed to live counterculturally, right? And you read, was it Ephesians? Uh, Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Last half of the chapter. Mm-hmm. I, I'm wondering, do you think, do you think when, when the, just the phrase, we are supposed to live counterculturally, cult culturally, do you think that's about, more about the heart in which we look at people and certain issues in our, in our time? Or, or is it more centered on like to live counterculturally? Does that look like taking a stance on specific issues in our world and uh, like abortion, homosexuality, those types of things? Is it we're going to live counterculturally because of the decisions or the things that we might be against in those things? Or is it more about the heart in which we? I'm not asking this very well because it's still like a it's a processing thought uh, and question. Um, I just I think so often, I think so often we we get in this mode of living counterculturally means, um, well, if the world thinks this, then we don't. Right. Well, that seems to go back to what we just talked about a few minutes ago. In that, um, if if what we are known for is the things that we're against, that's one version of living counterculturally. But living counterculturally on the on the love side is how do we how do we we take care of people and choose in in this case obviously choose to not be offended and get angry and respond in that anger. Um, that that to me is the other side of okay. Well, it, it's it's not about just being against everything that everybody else is against. You right. Know, what is culture? You know, as as we've said, you know, culture is what's normal for the, for the majority. Right. So are we just we choose to not do that because everybody else is doing that, mm-hmm. or is there a um, you know a, a, a reason behind being different? Um, you know, are we being different out of love? Rather than being different because we're just don't want to be because of stances of certain things. Right. I think that's my question. You know, like I'm, yeah. As you read Ephesians four, um, and even like in the context of what we're talking about with the book and the things that it's trying to present to us, it seems to me it's more about it's more about the the transformation of our heart and the ways that we yes. are our edges are softened and then then it is about a particular belief issue belief on an issue or a you know mm. or a social topic um which again I wrestle with you know I mean as Christians we have certain beliefs you know the vast majority we have certain beliefs that we hold on to and we we believe to be true but um the action that we take uh, can be well received, or it cannot. It could be, you know, just dismissed by the amount of, I don't know, anger or challenge that we present. And so, I guess, yeah, I just wanted. I guess I just wanted to pose the question about, like, you know, living counterculturally. I I think I hope I hope this is 
right on. This is where my brain went. I jumped to Romans 12, 1 and 2 because I think it captures a lot of what you're saying. Um, I'm going to read the whole thing, and then I want to give you a couple of response thoughts. You know, Paul is writing this letter to the Christians in Rome. He says, brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be, let your lives be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So just to unpack that a little bit, it starts with why, why do any of these things he's saying? He says, because of all he has done for you. So it starts with what God has done. Hmm. And we respond to that, his generosity, his love, his sacrifice, his forgiveness, his provision. We give our lives to God. It says bodies here. We give our whole selves to God. We let them be a sacrifice. This is how we worship him. You could give us a mini sermon right now. <laughs> it's not singing. It's right. just giving everything we are to him. And then it says, don't copy. Don't, don't conform. Uh, let let God transform you. So uh, what I hear you even in that moment, we're not supposed to, we're not called to be nonconformists right. for rebellious sake. Yeah. <laughs> to be different. You know, we're going to be countercultural. We're going to, oh, everybody's going left. I'm going right. You know, sure. it starts with a response to who, what God has done. It's all about him. And in doing that, he helps us see the world differently. That's what I hear the scripture saying. We, we don't think like everybody else anymore. We see things differently. We have our hearts become more tender toward people. Our hearts break for the things that breaks God heart, break God's heart, including issues and, you know, maybe even different people, groups, rights and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, but ultimately, it says, let God transform you. So you just said it. You, I was reading it while you were saying it loud. I think it's really more about letting God as we worship him, as we give him our, our whole selves in response to what he's done, we're letting God change us from the inside out, which then leads to countercultural living. It yeah. leads to getting all, you know, passionate about something. Um, so it's almost like it's a heart thing. It's an, it's to me, the order matters. Right. Um, I would, I would say, okay, someone who's not a Christian, who's not responding to what God has done. They're just, they're just really passionate about something. It started with an issue. It started with a feeling. Um, maybe it even started with a wound, a personal wound that mm. gets you riled up about something. You don't want that to happen to somebody else. It's, it's good stuff, but that's not what God's inviting us into. He's inviting us to, to worship him for who he is and what he's done. And then in so doing, we open ourselves up to letting him change us where we just see the world differently now. And everybody's going left in a certain way. Uh, sexuality, everybody's going left and just sleeping with whoever, whenever, because it feels good and freedom and all that stuff. And and our even our, our own flesh says, ooh, that looks good. I want to go that way. And yet because we are worshiping God and we are making our lives sacrifices to him every day, we're letting him just convict us and change our values and change us to see, I've got something better for you. Mm. I actually didn't make you for that. I made you for this. Um, I feel like I'm having conversations with my teenage daughters right now. Because <laughs> um, these are the conversations we're having. Thanks, Dad. 
But yeah. I know, and I'm getting a whole lot of that too. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> You're so old. But ah, I think it's it's not just non-conforming. Mm. It might look like that I, I, on the outside. You know, the, in that in that come back to what Jesus said over and over again. I, I'm it's about the heart. It, you can look just like the person on your left and your right on the outside, but God God judges the heart. Mm. We could all be doing the exact same things. And he judges our motivations. He judges where our priorities are um, that sometimes are fleshed out by our actions pretty clearly. The checkbook tells you where your money's going. You right. Know? <laughs> but there's something about the messiness of this that's really about the heart, hmm. I think. Well, that reminds me of, of two of the points that you made um, Sunday. Um, one is, uh, are, you, are you trying to make a point or are you trying to make a difference? Mm. And to me, that's almost like part of that. Are you being countercultural because that's the, the, the stance? Are you taking a stance just because you're supposed to, or are you actually trying to make a difference in somebody's life? It strikes it at the motivation of the heart. Right, exactly. And, yeah. then, and then another thing you said was Jesus didn't call us to be right. He called us to be loving. Mm. And so if, you're, if we're choosing that, that uh, take a stance just because I— read this and I believe this and I'm just going to stand here and be the rock in the middle of the stream and you can't make me move. Um, or are we, as you said, softening our edges to try to figure out, okay, I, maybe I believe that, but how is that affecting my life? How is that affecting the lives around me? You know, I can take a strong stance on, uh, on, on abortion and say pro-life and, uh, and, and be a rock, right? And you can't change my mind and you can't do anything, but how is that stance affecting the uh the woman that's going through that decision right now you know mm-hmm. am i am i living in a way that shows her love even if i disagree with uh all of this stuff how am i how am i making a difference in her life um and so yeah you you may still be right you may still be making a point but are we are we doing it in a way that mm-hmm. um I like that. Softens the edges. That, that That's going to me, too. I like Gives that. us a chance to actually have a conversation. You've talked about this before, Tanner. Is like, you know, I can only give so much challenge for the amount of the relationship that I have with a person. And I think we we tend to go to that make a point stance, that, mm-hmm. that quick to, I'm going to stand here and you're going to have to go around me. Um, or you're going to disagree with me or I'm just going to disagree with you, period. Yeah. Rather than we have built some sort of a relationship that shows the loving side of, 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 of Jesus and what we have experienced in order to maybe make a difference in their life. It's like, yeah, it's like the invitation gives you permission to give a degree of challenge or a measure of challenge into someone's life. Um, yeah. I like, I, I mentioned this earlier offline too, I like Alan Hirsch's endorsement of this particular book, Hanson's book. He's one of my favorite uh, authors that's been thought-provoking the last few years about about church. Uh, he says that the author effectively calls all too easily offended followers of Jesus to a far less grumpy witness. <laughs> and I just, that phrase has stuck with me too. Yeah, it, It's... It's a different way of saying he's called us to be loving, mm. not not right. But I also want to add, um, I'm curious. If, in fact, I'm curious if anybody would would courageously email and push back on this a little bit. 
I have been accused more than once of speaking in hyperbole. Um, I think it's a, it's a good teaching method, (laughs) frankly, because it makes you go, wait a second, you know, and you know, could you have problems with that statement? Jesus didn't call us to be right. He called us to be loving. You could argue, well, okay, but he does also call us to have the facts straight. He does also call us to not just grace, but to truth. And I think that's actually accurate. When, When I say Jesus doesn't call us to be right, he calls us to be loving. What I really mean is he, he didn't primarily call us to be right. <laughs> he primarily, like without apology, use that word. He primarily, what's the first two commandments, greatest commandments? Love God, love people. He primarily called us to be loving. Now, underneath all that, in smaller font, hey, get your facts straight, you know? Hey, yeah. hey, wrestle with scripture on what's true and what's not true. So I, I realize a statement like that can be a little unsettling because, well, he did call us to be right, though. He did. It's just, it's just a, it's a hyperbolic, you know, attempt at going, quit focusing on winning the argument. Quit yeah. focusing on the data, the content, and stop, pause, and focus on the how. Like, what's the ripple effect to, the, to, to your, you know, example of, a, of a, a young girl going through this crazy difficult choice? Do I abort? Do I tell my parents? Do I keep the baby? Do I, do I, do I try to parent all these things? Are we meeting her where she is? Even if we've got, you know, based on scripture, strong conviction, the data, right? What does it look like to love her really well in the moment? Um, and, and journey with her, you know, that's where it gets really messy. Or even how, how many of us would allow our hearts to break for her situation before we tell her what she should do like that. That's that's yeah. How many of us would make sure she knows we love her? Mm-hmm. Yes. Before we make sure she knows what we think. Yeah. Well, and that <laughs> even know? goes that even goes back to earlier in the message you talked about the the number of questions that that Jesus was involved with, right? That, that he was asked uh, 183 questions and he only answered 3 of them directly. Yeah. Directly. And the rest of them and he asked a ton of questions, but a lot of times you know, it's that, that chance, it's that opportunity to say, here's the right answer. Here is the, here is the, the point I'm trying to make. And yeah. he didn't take that opportunity. He, he instead shifted it to <laughs> ask another question or show how we should be loving or, or whatever, instead of right. what we all want is to give me the black and white. Yeah. Tell me, is this right or is this right? Yeah. Which one do I do? Well, Imagine this story. Yeah. It's like, no, tell, no, me, don't tell me another story. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. Let's wrap this guy up here. Uh, we we have that's 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 uh, ch- only chapter one, um, and there's and there's a bunch more to go, and lots of jokes to to deal with um, throughout the way. So uh, you will at least be um, somewhat entertained as you read along. Um, can, can we be a little specific and clear? Uh, if anybody wants to journey with us and read ahead, I know we talked about taking chunks of, of five or six chapters. Maybe uh, next week, make a commitment uh, to read chapters two through seven um, through the world's worst bedtime story. And, uh, and then we can talk about if any, what, if anything, jumped out to us amongst us and um, invite even maybe some questions or thoughts from our, our listeners. That sounds great. Okay. I knew you were going to do something like that, but I just <laughs> thought I'd contribute, you know? I appreciate that. Uh, he cut me off to say what I was about to say. Uh-huh, yeah. I like it. Um, yeah. 
Two through seven. I'm Let's offended do right now. Now, just it's to be clear. now it's his I'm offended idea. By it's his your, idea so I'm offended by your tone. <laughs> well, uh, I think. But Jesus I'm going to let go of that anger. Um, Jesus said, "Get over it." Right. Right. Uh, obviously, there is a lot of application that this this has in our lives, um, especially in the world and where we are right now, and um, politically, and as as you said, Tanner, on on different issues and social issues, and where we want to say, "I read the Bible this way," and there it is. So, um, I think this does bring up a lot of things. I mean, even even just reading. Uh, through some of the um, uh, some of the pushback that that the book has on on the Amazon reviews, like if you read the one stars, you know, it's like yeah, this book was had too much scripture. This book had was not enough scripture. Was not enough scripture. <laughs> you know, it's like we're we're all we all can find our ways to be uh, to be nice and offended by this, but um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. We invite the the pushback. Like, let's talk about some of these things. One of the things that I was um, just just as I read through it was like, okay, but I wanna I wanna talk about, you know, maybe it's not the self righteous the self righteous um, anger because I'm mad at somebody else, but I'm mad at you know, I'm frustrated with how something affects somebody else. Maybe that's not me and it affects someone else. Um, you know, so so even even throughout it I, I had some things that, that stuck out to me. So uh, chapters two through seven. Send us, send us any other thoughts and and. Uh, oh, is it two through seven? Is that what we're doing? You want to do two through seven? I mean, I, if that's what you want. Well, I was thinking two through seven, but if you say two through seven, <laughs> then that works for me. Your too. call. Okay, let's go. Two through seven. Yeah, we'll do it. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're gonna pick up our conversation again next week because we've derailed and we're at an hour and time to go so this has been the e6 podcast from colonial church you can always get more information about colonial at colonialchurch.com or from the app store the google play store we would love to hear from you we would love for you to be a part of this conversation about being unoffendable and how that hits you and as you read through this book as well um, send us your questions or or your feedback or your thoughts podcast at colonialchurch.com thank you for listening and we will pick up our conversation again next week